We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking wide receiver projections on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? Welcome into the Roto Viz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz with a solo episode for you this evening. Um, Curtis had something come up at work preventing him from joining me this evening to talk a little bit about my wide receiver projections. Uh, if you have not listened recently and want some more background on how we actually go about building projections at the site, I believe there's an episode called Projection Primer that we did recently, which should give you the needed information to understand the process. Uh, also, there's a couple of other episodes that we've done recently that would shed light on the process. The annoying caveat reminder that I need to give for everybody out there is that these projections or anybody's projections really um, done subjectively in a process like the way that we normally talk about projections. So, you know, something different than the range of outcomes tool or anything like that. Projections are just a snapshot of what feels like the most likely outcome or the best way of balancing all of the different possibilities that could arise in a season. Very few projections will come to fruition because very few projections will not have a lot of the variables underlying them tweaked. And that's what we've been talking a little bit about in these episodes. And that's what we're going to take a look at to some degree now. But there are two wide receivers in particular that I really want to talk about. And those players are DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, players that we had talked about at uh, various points already in this off season. And the player that we're going to start off with, we are actually going to do a quick little FFPC stat attack on, and that's AJ Brown, who last year finished as the wide receiver 28 in PPR per game, coming off a sophomore NFL season, if you will, where he was six in PPR per game. And in 2019, as a rookie, he was 31 in PPR per game. Last year, it was a bit of a down year 
for him um, in terms of targets. He ranked 32 among wide receivers, only had three games where he was a wide receiver. One uh, was a wide receiver two, just 8% of the time and a wide receiver three or worse in 69% of games uh, in terms of yards after the catch per reception. He ranked 54 air yards per target was 38 did have a team target percentage though. That ranked sixth with 27%. Uh, but we see that last year really was a bit of a down year for AJ Brown And I'm also going to read off the stat line because I think that we will need to keep that in mind as we look at where the projection falls out for him this year. Uh, Because I think if you don't have that context of last year, the projection that I have produced for him could be more surprising than perhaps it should be. So last year, 1,051 yards, excuse me, last year was 869 yards, just 8.4 four receiving yards per target, a fall from 12.5 in his rookie year, then 10.1, then 8.4. Also just had five touchdowns uh, down a significant amount from the years prior, bringing him to a PPR per opportunity of just 1.7 points was at 2.5 and 2.4 earlier in his career. Now, we know that sometimes wide receivers, when they transition teams, can have trouble assimilating into that new offense and get going right away, despite what we talked about, where some of my projections have players on new teams this year actually improving over last year, finishing um, in significant places. Now, Brown, well, I guess we should end this the stat attack there uh, and just remind everybody that whether you're playing best ball, dynasty, redraft, anything, the FFPC is the place to go to play. We have a number of leagues there. We've got the Rotoviz, Triflex, Dynasty leagues that you need to check out. Check out. They have every format. Absolutely fantastic site. So go check it out. With that, let's get into a little bit more on AJ Brown's projection for the coming year. So what I will tell you is that as things are currently constituted in my projections, uh, Mr. AJ Brown comes in at wide receiver 20. Now the wide receiver 20 line is 136 targets, 86 receptions, 1,160 yards, in seven touchdowns. This actually assumes he's able able to get to around 13.5 yards per catch, which is pretty high. A lower catch rate than some of the other players that you're going to see uh, in the top 20 at just 63%. But let's, let's kind of break things down a little bit more as to how we get there. Uh, because I will say this, I am drafting A.J. Brown more like he is the wide receiver 14, maybe somewhere between 12 to 16. And even though earlier projections that I had done actually had Brown in the mid twenties, I still would have been drafting him higher than that for reasons that we've talked about in the past. So the the first thing that you're going to run into when you start projecting Philadelphia is the fact that last year, um, the team did not have a tremendously high passing volume. In fact, last year they passed just 488 times, uh, which was one of the lower totals in the league. 
Um, so that was a pretty precipitous drop. So even if I bump things up, assuming that they've made that move, they've got Brown in there, they have Devonta Smith coming back for a second year. Jalen Hurts is firmly entrenched now as that quarterback, and we're expecting that maybe this team can take a bit of a step forward. Team might run more plays this year. Um, remain above league average. So actually, I don't have them running that many more plays, very marginal increase, but I do have them passing 542 times, which is a pretty significant jump. Normally, I don't have um, jumps of that magnitude, but I do feel decent about getting them to that amount this year. And even with that volume and giving AJ Brown 25% of the offense, he ends up with just those seven touchdowns. Uh, 1,161 yards. Now, an important thing that I want to mention about projections is it's important to look at how players finish in, let me say it like this. If you're looking through these and trying to make sense of the yardage, for example, and how that feels, I would look at the player, and this isn't just for my set of rankings for anybody's I would or sets of projections. I would look at their yardage in comparison to other players in their yardage, or touchdowns in comparison to other receivers in their yard in the touchdown numbers, uh, because they could be using different assumptions. There's assumptions baked into how I'm going about my process, so it's better to look at it that way than to try to look at just the overall total numbers. So I actually think, all things considered, that's a pretty good projection for Brown. Let's say that he was able to get up to 27 percent. Given the rates that I have assigned for him, that would then move him up to, uh, you, you actually don't see a significant jump. Uh, you definitely get a little bit of a yardage jump of around 100. The touchdown needle doesn't really move up a, even a whole increment in terms of, t uh, of um, total touchdowns. And we see him make a move, though, to wide receiver 14. So I think from 20 to 14, that's a pretty sizable movement. But it does highlight that there's not, um, you know, this swing that's going to toss him firmly into the wide receiver one range. Now, you might be curious about some of the other assumptions and how those line up with history. So I have him at a catch percentage of 63%. Um, playing with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, A.J. Brown... Uh, had catch numbers that were relatively similar uh, in that 2020 season where he really peaked at this point. He was at 66. The other years, he was at 62 and 61. His yards per reception have been very high. Um, last year, the lowest total of his career, which makes sense given the fact that, um, you know, it was a bit of a down year compared to the year before. Um, and he was seeing, you know, a pretty high target volume. He was at 13.79. I've scaled him back a little bit to 13.5. I think that makes sense for him. Uh, I held the receiving touchdown percentage flat from last year at 0.08. Uh, in 2020, he was at 0.16, which is a very high total. Uh, so that th this is kind of assuming that you can roll forward some of last year's numbers and that, that those are reasonable inputs to use. Um, I don't think that it would make a ton of sense to come in and really go very aggressive with him. Uh, let's see what happens if we leave that 25% number. And I, I think that the reason I'm going with 25 and not a 27 is when you look at the team, the way that running backs could be used in the passing game, that you have Smith, that you have a tight end there like Goddard. Um, you know, it, it's going to be hard to, to get him, at least in my mind, to that 27%. If we 
up him so that he were to get nine touchdowns, that could move him up to that wide receiver 15 range as well. So I think the moral of the story here is if you're working on a projection, it's hard to get him firmly into that wide receiver one type of territory. Uh, so this kind of helps us get a better sense of, of another way of looking at what could be a range of outcomes for Brown. Let's take a quick look over in the range of outcomes tool, which again, it does not know that he has changed teams. It does not know that there's this change in his situation. Um, without that information, it has him coming in as the wide receiver 19. So I think what we're seeing is a confirmation in some sense that this is an area that kind of makes sense for him. So I'll draft him a little bit ahead of that. Um, but I would just caution people about drafting AJ Brown. Like he has the upside to be in that wide receiver one to six range. Sure. He probably does have that upside, but the percentage of times in which he realizes it is probably pretty low. He's probably hitting into that low end wide receiver one range more often, but I would say generally finishing somewhere between wide receiver 12 to wide receiver 20, um, is a better expectation than him finishing firmly inside the wide receiver one ranks. So hopefully that sheds some light on a player like AJ Brown gives a little bit more information as to how you can kind of contextualize some of these ceilings. Um, if we wanted to look at the floor a little bit more, I would say that maybe you'd set his number to, uh, or his target share to 23%, right? You could drop his yards per reception down to 12.5 um, that won't make a tremendous difference. I think the catch percentage at 63 makes sense to hold. And then the receiving touchdown percentage, you could drop down to around 6%. And let's see what this does to his line. Overall now, that would move him back to being the wide receiver 35. Um, so that's, that's a bit... Uh, you know, off definitely where he would be being drafted now. Um, and I would say that that would be a pretty low end outcome for him. It would put him with five touchdowns, just 79 receptions, um, 988 receiving yards. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let me quickly refresh here so that we're able to look at DK Metcalf now um, without those changes to Philadelphia baked in. So DK Metcalf. All right. Curtis and I talked about him in relation to a listener question that was sent in. And this was maybe, I don't remember. I'm going to say approximately two months ago now. Fast forward. Uh, it still looks like we're going to be operating with a pretty pedestrian quarterback uh, for the Seahawks with it being uh, either Geno Smith or Drew Locke, or more likely some combination of the two. And as a result of that, we're not going to be able to project Seattle with a high passing volume. Uh, We're going to have to project them as a team with one of the lower passing volumes in the league, which shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, So it shouldn't be a surprise in a Pete Carroll offense, even with Russell Wilson there last year, Seahawks were last in the league in attempts per game. Uh, they had 400, around 485 with the way that we are calculating attempts here. I have them getting a little bit of an increase actually to 509 because I think that they'll be trailing more and as a result have brought down the rushing attempts, put up passing attempts a little bit, brought down overall, uh, uh, overall pass attempts. They're going to be far behind league average in terms of play totals. And that's why things get rough for DK Metcalf's especially tough for Tyler Lockett. It's also hard to make Kenneth Walker or Rashad Penny have very good numbers because there's just not a high play volume. Um, DK Metcalf, I do have commanding a 26% target share last year. Um, in the year prior, he was at 27 and 25. So that 26, I, I think that that's a percentage that makes sense to hold in that range. Now, I have him with a catch percentage percentage of just 55. Even with Russ, he was at 58 last year. I think it's fair to scale that back. In 2020, I will say he was at 63%. You could say that this is overly pessimistic, uh, but before we even look at exactly where he comes out, which I, th- I want to say before making these changes, he's at wide receiver 36. I'll put him up to a catch percentage here of 59. Okay. I do have him at yards per reception of 13, um, which is actually in line with last year, a little bit above. Um, Earlier in his career, he'd been at 16. That doesn't feel like a sustainable number. We're probably going to see him somewhere between 12.5 to 13.5, maybe 12 to 13, somewhere in that range. And he's had very high receiving touchdown percentages. Uh, 0.12 in his first year, 0.14, then 0.16 last year. I don't think that we would be expecting that with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. My baseline projection for him this year, for him this year, had him with a receiving touchdown percentage of nine. Let's just get wild and put him up to 0.12. 
with those numbers, with these tweaks, he does go over 1,000 yards, has nine receiving touchdowns, 78 receptions. This puts him in still outside of the top 20, and he slates in at wide receiver 25. So what do we do with this? Well, I still think that DK Metcalf is the type of player that you draft ahead of this projection, right? I would rank him ahead of that projection, and that's because there still is some upside. Um, I think it's very possible he outplays my expectations because who knows? Maybe Seattle's able to function a little bit better than I'm expecting, uh, or maybe that pass volume has to spike up radically for some reason. Perhaps he manages to have a good connection with one of these quarterbacks. Uh, I do think he's a very talented player, but it does signal to us that we need to be really careful about overdrafting him. I think when you're selecting him, you've got to be hoping for a wide receiver two type of performance, right? I don't think you're going to be drafting him thinking or hoping that you're getting a wide receiver one type of performance, because I think that occurs in a very, very small distribution for him. Now, I do need to say that the range of outcomes tool has DK um, coming in at wide receiver 14. But of course, this shift with Russell Wilson going away is a massive shift. So I think that we may have been a little too rosy earlier on in the year when we were thinking about DK Metcalf. Uh, I forget exactly how that conversation went, but I wanted to come back to that because I think that it is it is very relevant now uh, and it's not looking like he's going to be playing with a different set of passers. So DK Metcalf, that's unfortunate. You're probably curious about Tyler Lockett. I had him at 22%, 13.3 uh, yards per reception, finishes with around four touchdowns. And this really scales him back. I've got to go find him in the projections now. I'm pretty sure he finished. But, oh, okay, so Tyler Lockett, 39. That's actually a little bit better than I thought. Point being, um, I'm kind of staying away from Tyler Lockett this year. A lot of questions. Um, not a great situation. Going to be a low play volume. Reasons to think that those yards per reception comes down. That he might not have any of these blow-up games like he's been able to produce over the years, which he's really derived a lot of his value from. So, you know, some alarming things there. For those Seattle Seahawks receivers, I don't think that should come as a major surprise. There weren't any other players I wanted to talk about. I was going to have Curtis pick a handful of guys that we could explore tonight and see how I landed where I did. Um, one player, though, that's probably interesting to listeners out there is Traylon Burks and what you do with a rookie wide receiver here that a lot of people are thinking could be that one-for-one -one replacement for A.J. Brown that we just talked about. So Tampa, uh, excuse me, not Tampa Bay, Tennessee last year, they had 523 passing attempts. They were at 511 the year before. If we assume that they're not quite as good of a team this year, um, you might scale up the passing attempts. I put them at 542. So a minimal increase. Um, now, with Derrick Henry back, 
if you were to play this entire year, you could argue that they might have a shift back to rushing more. Last year, um, they had 551 attempts. I actually have them at 535. And some of this is is because I just don't think that they're going to function quite as well as they may have in other years. Um, but we don't need to focus on that too much because we would see that with a player like Burke. So I had a catch percentage of 62. You have to have a pretty big swing in plays for it to make a tremendous impact. A lot of what I did for him was look at AJ Brown, then um, tweak things a little bit. Let, let, let's take a look again, though. Last year, I can I can look at um, I can look at AJ Brown's line again and remind uh, everyone here of where he was. So AJ Brown last year had a twenty seven percent target share, sixty one catch percentage, thirteen point seven nine yards per rec, and an eight uh, percent touchdown rate. I'm actually giving Traylon Burks this year just twenty three percent of that offense. Coming in right around Robert Woods, uh, as I mentioned, a 62 catch percentage yards per rec at 13.5 and a receiving touchdown percentage of 9%. Um, you could definitely make some tweaks there, but th th this stat line of seven receiving touchdowns, I actually thought felt okay um, for him. 1,000 yards. I mean, overall, this might look like a pretty optimistic projection but when i was exploring the scenarios it feels this feels like where you should put a player like burks uh this puts him though as like a uh middle of the pack wide receiver three maybe maybe a high-end wide receiver three let's play with these numbers though in case you think that that let's do it like this and why i've kind of ended up here let's say that you actually think he get to 26 percent target share uh, but maybe that receiving touchdown rate of 9% higher than AJ Brown's a little too rich. So we take him down to a 7% reception touchdown percentage. And obviously some of this assumes that you're thinking Traylon Burks enters the league and is pretty good, right? And we put him at 13 yards per reception. Well, he's now still at more than 1,000 yards at 1,131 with six receiving touchdowns. 87 receptions on 141 targets. This would put Traylon Burks now. Um, he would still come in um, as the wide receiver 23. So I think what you're looking at for a player like Burks is a range of outcomes where there's a, a little bit of a chance that he could be a high end wide receiver too, but he's more likely to finish somewhere as a mid to low end wide receiver too. If these assumptions hold and he finishes somewhere in the ballpark of what people think that he could do where he's somewhat approximating AJ Brown. So quick episode here for Friday. I, I think this is probably more useful. Uh, when Curtis can ask some more questions about some of these other receivers and how we arrived at them. If there's players that you're interested in or offenses, you'd want to get my take on after having spent some time looking at different ways that things could break, please send in those messages. Uh, we will be back next week. If there are topics, Hey, listen, you know, things are really heating up now. We're getting the full swing of things. If there's topics you want to hear about this summer, or you do have questions please send them in. Also, uh, do us a solid. Go ahead, 
like, rate, subscribe. Go check out Rotoviz Overtime. Uh, there is a and stealing bananas and all of the shows because I know that there's a contest going on right now that I'm supposed to tell you about. I had honestly read it about five minutes before we started, and I already forget this. Okay, I've actually pulled it up. Uh, all right, so we have an SFB12 Scott Fishbowl 12 contest promotion. Um, you can actually check out a hyperlink that's going to be in the show notes um, where I believe you are going to have a chance if you subscribe to the Rotoviz YouTube channel, you retweet a tweet from Colin Cully, who you can find at Overtime Ireland, and you reply with your best worst pick ever, tag a friend. The one winner will be announced on June 25th, and you will win a Scott Fishbowl 12 entry. So sweet. I did what I was supposed to there. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.